we had our, our winter retreat last weekend. We talked a little bit about it this morning and, and how the teens were challenged. Um, the opening session was to challenge them to guard what has already been uh, entrusted to them, what they've already been taught, many of them since they were in Sunday school, since they were born, right? Um, but we warned them that as soon as they left camp, the real world was going to hit them. And sure enough, when I got home, I see Facebook statuses and got emails and phone calls talking about, you know, parents being unfair, school, homework, you know, friends betraying them, and, and this winter retreat hangover that they wish uh, they didn't have to go through. So this morning, we're going to talk about the real world and realities that hit us when we choose to obey. So turn with me in the book of Mark, chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, to start. This is what Mark says. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water... Immediately, he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. So what we see here is we see Jesus is baptized. He has been obedient. God is pleased and announces as much. Jesus' ministry is inaugurated. He is commissioned. And his father encourages him openly and publicly. And only a couple of times in the earthly life of Jesus do we see the Father audibly speaking so that everyone can hear. We see it in John chapter 12. It specifically says the voice was for the benefit of the people, not for the benefit of Jesus. And in Mark chapter 9, during the transfiguration of Jesus, God says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. As if God is putting him on display for anyone who is watching and telling them, you should listen to him. But I believe at at his baptism, uh, this voice this time was specifically for Jesus, for his benefit. And I I believe that because of the personal pronoun that, that is used here. He says, you. The father is talking to Jesus, saying he's pleased with him and is approved of him. He says, with you, I am well pleased. Not with him, but with you. So he's talking to Jesus. What an endorsement. What an encouragement for the Son of God. Have you ever felt God's approval? Uh, I'm going to California this week. I leave on Tuesday. You can, you can pray for me. Um, going back to speak at Pastor Sean's uh, youth group. They're having their winter retreat this weekend, and he's invited me to speak. Uh, and I went out there about three years ago. And I got to speak, and it was just an amazing time uh, where, where teens were confronted with God's word, and they were repenting and changing, and it was, it was just a blessing to me. And it was just one of those times where I just felt like, wow, God, you, you, you approve of what I'm doing. It was an encouragement to me. Um, it'll be an encouragement to get to speak into their lives again. But for Jesus, uh, Jesus has been faithful and God is pleased, right? And so now what? 
there, there ought to be some kind of reward, right? Uh, Jesus did good, and so God will give him a big house and a Bentley. Is that what happens? Hmm. Let's read verse, verse 12. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. Hmm. No, we don't see reward. We see God taking that initial obedience and compelling Jesus into the wilderness. And take note that it is the Spirit who drives him into the wilderness. God knows exactly what is in the wilderness. He knows what Jesus is going to face there, but he allows Jesus to undergo this testing anyway. The wilderness is a place of preparation for ministry, but it is also, it's also the place where people who make grand proclamations about obedience to God, it's where they grow weary and fall off the grid or fall off radar. Um, we see in all the good spy movies and TV shows like, like The Born Identity and 24, um, the hero will face a series of challenges that, that cause him or her to reconsider their life. And they want to settle down, and so they start to cut ties with everyone who knew them before so that they become untraceable, so that no one can find them. They, they go dark, right? You know, the radar blips, but then all of a sudden it stops, and they're nowhere to be found. The wilderness is where people fall off radar. Um, and we're going to see four things that Jesus had to deal with that could have challenged his faithfulness and will challenge our faithfulness. 12 through 13. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Here we see four realities of obedience. When we choose to obey God, what challenges might we face? These are also reasons people fall off the grid. Reasons I am tempted to fall off radar. And these are the things that I believe every Christian will face at some point in their life. You can't hide your head in the sand and say that you never struggle. You can't pretend like they don't exist. And you shouldn't be shocked when you experience them. The first one is, is isolation. Jesus was alone in the wilderness. He didn't have any disciples or friends or family to help him while he was in the wilderness. To go through this time of testing and preparation, God wanted Jesus to be alone. This was about Jesus having to totally depend on God for his companionship. And for us, obedience to Christ calls for a separation from certain people and habits that can lead to a strong sense of isolation and loneliness when we do separate from these things. The simple fact is that people will not understand why you are trying to be so faithful to God. And they will think you're weird. And they might turn away from you or at least make fun of you. Uh, I heard one teen saying earlier this week that when they told their friends they were applying to go to Word of Life, uh, their friends asked them if they were just going to play Scrabble and read the Bible for fun. 
Because you're weird if you want to study the Bible. That's the first one. Isolation. Number two. Deprivation. When we willingly deprive ourselves of things that we could have if we were not trying to be faithful and obedient to God. Jesus, we learn in in Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4 about this very same event that Jesus was also fasting during these 40 days. He was not eating. He was depriving himself of food so that he could focus on obedience to God. For us, this is the realization that the comfort-filled and hassle-free life that we desire and probably think we deserve isn't going to happen. This is a strong reason why many people fall by the wayside. We are trained our whole life to believe that we deserve to have every comfort that the world can provide, and it's an injustice if we don't get it. There's a natural discontent that rises up in us when we see other people getting the things that we want even though we're trying to obey God. We're trying to do what God wants us to do, but we're not getting the things that those people are getting. It seems like a raw deal. And so we say, if this is the reward, why am I doing this? And so some people figure it's not worth it. And so spiritually, they drop off the face of the earth. Number three, temptation. Who is also in the wilderness? Satan. Jesus was there being tempted by Satan. And this word being tempted means it was a continual thing over the 40 days. It wasn't just the three temptations we, we see in Matthew and Luke. It was a continual, it was, Satan was consistently tempting Jesus. When Jesus was baptized, not only was he, did he get God's attention and God say, I'm pleased with you. But he also got Satan's attention. And if you are seeking to be obedient, to be faithful, to do what God says, no matter how much it hurts, Satan will attack you. Because he does not want faithful people proving the faithfulness of God. He wants, he's aware of you, and he wants to attack and destroy you. Now, it's not just that we're tempted. It's that we're really tempted. Like, we find out that we are a far worse sinner than we ever dreamed. We find out that we are tempted by things that we thought only freaks and psychos were tempted by. I know I've been surprised with myself. Satan will throw any and everything at you. And for some people, discovering how sinful they are makes it seem hopeless, and they want to give up. And, and, you, and you get this fear of failure. Um, you say, like, I resisted this time, but what about next time? And what happens when I fail? What are those consequences? I don't want to deal with those consequences, so I'll just not try. 
And so people exclude themselves from service and let all the really spiritual people do it, right? Maybe, maybe you just let the paid staff do everything. I don't know. Uh, people who are never tempted by anything, right, Anton? Anton's never tempted by anything. <laughs> Some people believe that, right? Some of the teens really believe that Anton is not tempted by anything. But he is a human. You're a human, right, Anton? 100%. Okay, good. But these people who give up, they miss out on the blessings they could receive if they would only endure. Temptation is hard also because you find out how much patience and endurance is required because Satan doesn't give up. Luke chapter 4 tells us that when Satan had finished tempting Jesus in the 40-day period, he left him until an opportune time, right? It wasn't just the 40 days. You know, it's not that you're tempted by something. Like I, I used to watch TV shows sometimes, and people used to be, people in the show used to be tempted to do something bad, but they, they would resist for the episode, and then they would never struggle with that anymore. And somehow, like if you watch that enough, you'd be like, oh, okay, if I resist something once, I'll never, be, I'll never be tempted by it anymore. But it's not true. Satan comes back, just like he did with Jesus. And some people, the persistence of Satan is greater than their persistence or what they are willing to persist in. Additionally, we find out the intensity of the battle through our temptations. We find out just how much Satan wants us to give up. We don't have time to enjoy our victories very long because the battle is ongoing and always intense. Jesus, Satan asked Jesus to worship him during this period. And if Jesus had given in to that and, you know, taken, taken the kingdoms of the earth that Satan was offering, Jesus would have relinquished his, his title of, as son of God, his role as the God-man. That is what Satan was asking Jesus to give up. And for us, Satan, he doesn't want to just tempt us to do little things. He wants to totally wipe us out if we are trying to be faithful. Fourthly, we have intimidation. Isolation, deprivation, temptation, and intimidation. These are the wild animals that were with Jesus. These are, because, because they had, you know, they had lions. Uh, they had all kind of beasts in Israel. They don't have lions there anymore. Um, I found out when I went to Israel. They, they take like, but they take like lion urine and put it in the, in the crops so that the wild boars don't go there. So the boars think that there are lions there, but there actually aren't any lions. That was for free. Um, it has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. Um, Boars are dumb animals. That's all I guess that's my point. Um, these wild animals, they are external things. Everything up to now has been an internal struggle. We'll struggle with loneliness. We'll struggle with what we're giving up. We'll struggle with this temptation and finding out we're much worse than we ever thought we were. 
but there will be physical things that will try to intimidate and threaten you into backing down because they made you afraid. You may be afraid of people. People might rip you to shreds verbally. Uh, They may threaten you physically because you are trying to be obedient. We think of governments that are oppressing Christians simply because they want to read a Bible and would kill them because they want to be faithful. You'll seem like an easy target and helpless prey. Jesus was by himself. Helpless prey to these animals and, and to the people who are attacking you, to the circumstances that is attacking you, because you're not going to fight back the way you would if you did not care what God said. When you care what God says, your response is totally different. You find out with this intimidation and with these wild animals, whatever your wild animal is, you find out just how much you have to trust God. Because you're by yourself, you're helpless. But if God is preparing you, since he is the one who sent you into the wilderness, since he is the one who sent Jesus into the wilderness, Jesus knew that since he was preparing him, he would protect him. And he will protect you. So what intimidates you about what it will take to be faithful to God? What's that thing that where you say, boy, I would like to be obedient, but I don't know if I can give that up. I don't know if I can take the intimidation, the verbal abuse that I know certain people are going to give me. So why are we talking about these things? Isolation, deprivation, temptation, intimidation. If you are going to be obedient to God, you need to know what you are signing up for. God doesn't need any more wimpy Christians. He wants those who know what's coming and will say, I will endure them because I believe that God has not abandoned me and will help me. Because so many people get saved thinking that life is going to be good, that life is going to be easy. And then when the hard times come, not realizing that God is going to allow these struggles into our life to prepare us, to refine us. They don't know those things are coming. And they just fall away. How do you know that God hasn't abandoned you? When you make that decision to be faithful, how do you know God hasn't abandoned you? Because he didn't abandon Jesus. He sends angels to minister to Jesus. And we've seen God use angels for all kinds of things. Uh, To bring food and water to prophets like Elijah. To bring instruction and encouragement to people like Gideon. To fight off evil armies for Elisha and give companionship to men like Abraham. The angels were able to relieve Jesus and bring him everything he needed exactly when he needed it. And he will do the same for you. It may not come in the form of of guys in glowing white clothing, but it will come, and God has an infinite number of ways to meet your needs. You also have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you, 
And you, and you have, if you are a believer, if you are a believer, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Um, plus, you have believing friends to encourage you. Sometimes we purposely isolate ourselves from people who actually could help us because we don't like to share our struggles. And so I just want to encourage you to resist that temptation, especially the teenagers. You guys like to keep everything inside and, and fight your battles on your own. And, uh, you know, it's not going to work. What was the result of this initiation and preparation process Jesus had to go through? In verse 14, we see a newly invigorated Jesus boldly proclaiming the gospel to the people of Israel. It says, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus was ready to be fully used by God because he had been prepared and learned how to trust God in any situation. And it's my prayer this morning that if you are struggling with these things and you feel that temptation to withdraw and just become a pew warmer who is never bothered by Satan because Satan knows he doesn't have to worry about you, I pray that you would confess those struggles to God, be honest with God, and trust him to do for you what he did for Jesus. We are children of God. And God loves us the same way he loved Jesus. That's what Jesus said in his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. So again, this only applies to those who have placed their faith in Jesus. And some might say this message would prevent people from believing the gospel, from trusting in God, because it might make their lives harder, and I say that's okay. I just want people to know what they're signing up for. I want to close with a passage from Hebrews chapter 10, starting at verse 32. If you have been struggling, if you did not realize how much temptation would come, how isolated you might feel, how much you would have to give up, or the intimidation that would come upon you. I want to read these verses. But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Let's pray. Lord, I have to be honest and say that I've struggled with these things, finding out how sinful I am, and uh, sometimes the loneliness, and 
jealousy of things that you have to give up. Lord, I thank you for your encouragement, for the ways you meet our needs. Lord, I pray that if there is any young person in here today who is tempted to just give up, that they would uh, cry out to you, that they would seek help from their leaders, from their friends. Lord, you, you provided everything we need, and I just pray that you would remind us of that today. Jesus is our example. He went through the wilderness so that he could be prepared to be offered as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. He was faithful. And because of his faithfulness, you accepted his sacrifice. And you rose him up so that we can put our faith and trust in him. Lord, let your spirit work in the hearts of anyone who needs to put their trust in him this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.